0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Suns Undone Podcast. I'm your host, Shams Ahmad. Here with me today we have Jacob Hernansky. Jake, say what's up. What's up. Next up we have Marquise Nicholson. Keese, say what's up. Fellas. From there we have Christian Crispy Please Say what's up. What's up guys. Hey, and then we also have a very special guest today here from... The bright side of the sun we have evan cidery evan say what's up there what's up guys all righty we got a good show for you today we uh, haven't seen you since that uh utah jazz game where devin booker scored 59 points about a week ago since then we've had a few games from there we Played the Washington Wizards, in which Devin Booker once again went for 50 points, uh, becoming the youngest player to go back-to-back games with 50-point games. Uh, from there, he attempted to do it again against the Memphis Grizzlies in a game we lost, and he ended up with 48. Uh, from there, we played the Cleveland Cavs in a game where he came down back to earth a bit, um, had about 25 points, 13 assists, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and we won that game, which yours truly was at. Thank you. Um, from there, we played the Jazz again, and Devin Booker got hurt um, in, early in the first quarter, um, scored about eight points, uh, came out injured, and the rest of the game was moot at that point, in which we lost again by about 22 points, 21 points. Um, let's start off with that, you guys, um, with the injury and Maybe a little thoughts about the game. Uh, Booker went down with what looked like a pretty bad uh, sprained ankle. Um, They said there was not too much to worry about. They are shutting him down for the rest of the season, uh, which is expected with three games to go. You don't want to injure him any further. Um, Let's talk about that. Maybe some rumors, some thoughts about maybe him becoming injury
1: prone. Uh, What do you guys think? I think from my standpoint, I just think we have to give it another year as far as what could happen with Devin Booker's injury. Just If he does get injured again next year, I think it's fair to say whether that injury-prone label is worthy or not. But until then, I kind of just want to get him the benefit of the doubt because he's a guy who was shut down 20-plus games last year. They were intentionally tanking at that point. And then this year, he's been snapping so bad injuries. I mean, he's maybe had 20, 25 healthy games this year. And in those games, he might have been a top-five scorer in the NBA, so... I think if we're still worried about his injuries by next year, that's when I really start to worry. But until then, I think he's still, I want to get more of the benefit down given their year.
0: For sure. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, it seems like all the times that he, I mean, at least in the first half of the season this year that he was playing healthy, he wasn't even playing healthy because they were trying to rush him back from injuries. And because of that, it just led to him being more and more injured more and more often. Uh, that being said with, players that are really kind of labeled as injury prone, it usually ends up being the same kind of injuries that are repetitive. Whereas uh, Booker has been, you know, kind of all over the board, as far as as far as far variety goes on his injuries, uh, not really linking one to the other. It's just, it's kind of just him getting banged up. Uh, what do you think about that, Jake?
2: Um, the only injury that is recurring was the hamstring, but I think that is because yeah. we rushed him back too soon on that one. And... You're right, he doesn't injure the same doesn't get the same injury multiple times. Yesterday's injury was just like kind of inevitable. If you're if you step on someone's foot, you're going to twist an ankle. So that doesn't really bother me. And I just want him to get a healthy off cuz last year he had the pinky problem or whatever in his hand. And so I, if he can get a healthy off season in him and start the season off 100% healthy, I think he'll be fine.
0: For sure, Keith. How you feel about it? Are you worried at all? Not really.
3: Only thing I'm worried about is like, I don't think we like tell him no enough. Like, I feel like it's hard to keep him off. The, I think he rushes himself back too sometimes. Like, he'll try to come back to early when he doesn't need to. Like, what is he coming back early for? Like, mm-hmm. you most of the time we know we're not going anywhere. Like to the playoffs. So I don't know why he like. I like, know, yeah. like you're not coming back. Yeah, I
0: think it's his nature sometimes. a little bit. To, yeah. Uh... <laughs> he he's he's a player, you know. He he really. Yeah. Be out sure. there so i mean i guess that's good and uh, when you think about it long term but at the same time it's like i gotta protect him from himself sometimes yeah coaching's gotta be on top of that training staff's gotta be like you know <laughs> no yeah. uh but i mean when you when you lose as many games you try to get as many out as you can so that makes sense
4: so crispy how do you feel do you think they rush him back too often what do you think um it's kind of going along the lines of what he said i feel like he kind of I feel like he kind of has, like, the ultimate say whether he's going to play or not and and how he feels. But going back to, like, if I'm worried about it, I'm I'm really not. I feel like a lot of it has to do with, like, how big of his, like, workload is because, I mean, he's doing a lot, like, pretty much everything when he's on the court. So hopefully next year we can, you know, bring some guys in to help out or have some of the younger guys, you know, grow and then flourish to help him out and take, take that workload down a little bit.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, speaking about that, next year, you know, coming towards the end of the season now, um, hopefully moving into next year, we can get some guys that kind of help Booker out a little bit more here and where he doesn't have to come back from injury so fast. If he unfortunately does get injured, we don't know about that. Let's pray he doesn't. I don't mean to wish that into existence, but, you know, here we are. <laughs> so, uh, but that being said, uh, three games left to go. Um let's kind of reflect back on this season. You guys, it's kind of been, it's been rough. We're sitting at, you know, 18 and 61, uh, three games left, oh, um, after going 20, getting 21 wins last season. Um, didn't really fulfill the expectations we had coming into the season. Uh, the team has changed, uh, roster wise pretty dramatically uh, as much as they could have. I mean, being reasonable here, um, the under eight and had a good season, but it didn't really, you know, affect us record-wise. I mean, we only got worse. It seems like record-wise. Um, what do you think really happened this season? Do you think it's just a culmination of too many young players, or uh, what? What happens going forward? What do you think the team needs to do in order to actually take that step forward that we thought was going to happen this year?
1: I think from my standpoint, I'm just tracing back the steps of the season opener when I was sitting there on Meteor Road and watching them win in bluff, actually against Dallas. Maris, I'm like, okay, we're mm-hmm. finally, this is finally a good team. Now they have a good, a good Trevor Ariza. Ryan Harrison still couldn't shoot at that point, but at least Ariza looked competent. Then they also had Devin Booker like a superstar in that game. DeAndre and looked pretty damn good in that game too. Excuse me if they can't from him. Tonight, but I um, <laughs> <but laughs> wanted to also just mention there that uh, oh, just looking back on that, you had Ariza pretty much quilling cool the team less than eight weeks later after that opener game, which is really just hard to think about. You add in the Kelly Ubray trade, which I think was a big trade that they pulled off there. Oubre's definitely going to stay long-term. And it seems like he's definitely going to want to stay. I've spoken to the front office a couple of times, and they definitely want to keep him around as well. So it seems like that's full collision course for him to stay. I think that's one check, checklist mark as far as what they have to do this offseason. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of it has to relate to the draft, to be honest, because whatever happens on May 14th with that lottery, whether it's number one, number two, or number three, I think – from my standpoint, I'm Zion or bust as far as that pick. But if they do go Zion at one, that's too easily taken. But I think number two, if they do get him, it's going to be John Morant. I think James Jones with Robert Sarver, they both went to Evansville and scouted him in person. I think that kind of matters here because they didn't do that last year with some guys. But I think another piece of the puzzle as far as just getting improvement from this year, going from 21 wins to 18 wins, I think the gold mixture should be at least 30. I think you have to have competent veterans, like guys like a Corey Jones type of guy. I'm not saying they should go after him, but like those type of veterans that are like six to eight year pros that are in the middle of their athletic prime. They don't care about their stats. They don't care about their numbers. They just care about being in a winning atmosphere. And I think they're missing those guys. And I think they also brought in guys like veterans like Ariza who didn't even visit the Phoenix Suns in the first place because he just wanted to get the most money possible and they're just targeting the wrong guys for the wrong reasons. So I think as far as cultural standpoint, I think he just built off of that from there. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, James Jones and them did say,
0: you know, their target range for free agents next year, uh, would be that 25 to 30 year old range and players, you know, who have their wings and contribute to a winning, you know, environment, not necessarily players that would be too expensive or whatever, but, you know, just solid role players, kind of players like, uh, you know, kind of build a formula the way Brooklyn did, you know, where you surround your young talent with, you know, competent role players and know what they're doing. And, you know, Demari Carroll and those kind of guys, um, I think that's what we should be targeting. Um, unfortunately, Trevor Ariza, I mean, I didn't even feel like eight weeks, honestly, when he quit on this, you know, it, it just kind of went by so fast with him, and he just lost his way. I think most of us were at that first game as well, and, you know, my 35-win prediction at the beginning of the season felt pretty good at that point, but, uh, man, I mean, that went downhill so fast. Um, the rest of you guys, what do you guys think uh, moving forward? um do you agree with what evan said what do you what do you guys feel
2: i feel like we we started the season starting isaiah cannon and ryan anderson and then uh, trevor reza who was good in the first game but we made trades throughout the season the tyler johnson and the Ubre trade those were trades that got us vets that we need to help us win more games like if we stayed with tyler johnson as our point guard next year i don't think that would be a horrible option
0: yeah i think it's reasonable um uh, to play tyler johnson it just depends on the scenario per se uh, if you know we do happen to land number two instead of number one and do end up with jaw wouldn't mind seeing tyler johnson to start over him for a little bit um however long he needs to get Ja, you know ready to start or whatnot um that being said, I mean, he's played, he's played great for us, so we did get a small sample size, unfortunately, uh, a little smaller than we might have hoped. But, you know, so goes the ways of the injuries. Um, Crispy, what are your big takeaways right now?
4: Um, I pretty much just agree with everything what Evan said about um, Ariza coming in, kind of chasing that big contract. Uh, and as you mentioned, we were pretty much all at that first game. And, like, the atmosphere of that game was just like incredible. Like we That's all insane. thought they were taking the turn. You know, we mm-hmm. thought we had the right vets, and then they all just like broke apart. Literally, like not even like a month into the season. But well, yeah, I think, I, I think it's just going to be important to get those vets that, like Evan said, that want to win and aren't just chasing a big contract.
0: Yeah, it's just a, a character culture thing that I think kind of needs to reinforce itself instead of having to get guys to buy in. You want guys that are the ones getting others to buy in. You know, you want guys that kinda of come in with that winning mentality and want to win and want to be there to improve a culture. So um we'll see what it takes for that. Um Keys, how did you feel? Um I feel like Evan pretty much kinda of nailed everything in there. Yeah,
4: but, he really did. Yeah. i
3: Yeah, all I would say is um like too, but there's like, I feel like a reason and Anderson are like two vets are like kind of at the end of their careers. Like, I want vets that are like, like you said, in their like their physical prime. Yeah. I think they're like Zora washed, but that's like, that's what kind of uh, the vets are that we
0: had. Yeah. It's hard to kind of, you know, give any sort of effort when your body's old and you're on a bad team and you kind of just don't feel like playing a lot. Yeah. Kind of uh, like Trevor Reason and Tyson Chandler, Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. So. You know, I like Tyson, though. I mean, Tyson, it was funny, though, because, like, the second we traded Tyson uh, to L.A., he had, like, two good games, and Laker fans were all over him. And, oh, we brother, we and were, then we were like, longer. just wait. And then soon enough, he just fell apart, same way he did yeah. with us. So it was kind of funny to watch that happen. But, I mean, I love Tyson. I mean, he worked great for us, but that was just, you know, it was funny. Um, going, going forward, I think something we have to kind of look at and um, talk about here, unfortunately, is, um, is this new lottery? Um, I've been doing too many tankathon sims recently, and um, you know that 14 percent doesn't look necessarily the best. And when you compare it to everyone else's odds too, it's just like there's so many, there's so much potential um, for us to fall out of the top three. And I know we don't want to talk worst case scenario on here, but let's just look at what's real here. If we do fall out of the top three. I mean, top two would be bad enough, but let's just say, worst case, let's go four or five. Let's say we fall to three, four, five. Um, let's see. Wh- I mean, who would you guys want? I mean, would you trade the pick? And if we trade the pick, who are we trading for? What do you think is a reasonable haul? Who would you package together? Evan, what do you think?
1: Already, guys, you probably know what I'm going to say here because I've been beating this drum for like three or four months now. Yeah. But Drew Holiday is the perfect fit with Devin Booker at the more level. And what I would offer you, I'll, just, I'll just give you guys the full pack picture. You give up the number four or five pick in the draft. And yeah, number three, I'd give R.J. Barrett for Drew Holiday. One of those guys, plus T.J. Warren or Josh Jackson, maybe even both of them because I don't know if both of you are going to stay next year. I think he'd be right. mm-hmm. Warren Jackson, and also one of and Kobo, plus Johnson expiring in there throwing the Bucks pick if you have to throw in the Sun second round pick if you have to. I'm Drew Hall really damn bad here. And it just seems like he'd be perfect here if you had in a holiday, Uber, Bridges, Booker 8, and you had your starting five right there for the next five, ten years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Drew Drew fits that mold of that, you know, that age range that we were kind of looking for, that winning mentality. And somebody more than just a winning mentality can play, you know, great defense next to, you know, Devin Booker, you know, kind of solidify that point role and handle the ball. Going forward, I think uh, a couple podcast episodes ago, we were mentioning. I think most of us kind of had, uh, you know, uh, Drew Holiday, uh, D'Angelo Russell, and um, who was the other one that we were kind of just, you know, wishing for? I think Conley was up there, Conley, maybe a little bit
2: closer. Lonzo. was
0: a big one, too. Forward. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think getting that point guard would be the number one thing if we fall out of that top two. I want no part of R.J. Barrett. I think if we had to use the pick, uh, I think somebody's kind of working his way into my top you know, picks it would probably be uh, Culver from Texas Tech. Uh, he's been great. He plays great defense. I think he would kind of fit. Um, what do you think, Jake? All
2: right, my thoughts is if we get three – I still think that we could get Jaw depending who gets two. And then Maybe yeah. Also even four possibly, but probably not. And then but anyways, I'd rather trade the pick for Drew Holiday than get Jaw anyway. I would trade like the package that Evan said, I would basically trade anything that's not Bridges Aiden, Booker, top three. And yeah. Uber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a, yeah,
0: top four. Um I think it's kinda like interesting how much it would take to trade for for Drew. Uh, I think it just depends, honestly, what happens with Anthony Davis, too. I think if they do move him, um, it might be a fire sale with New Orleans. They might want assets over players. They might want, you know, it changes from TJ Warren to Josh Jackson or, you know, which one of the young point guards they desire, what kind of thing. Uh, Also, I mean – it, it, the amount of stuff that you have to give away in that scenario changes too because, I mean, I don't think they would attack Drew unless, it unless you know, the Davis trade happens first or unless they knew for sure they were going to make that trade, you know, and then they'd be getting rid of Drew either way. So um, we'll I see th- about that, so...
1: Let me ask you guys a scenario real quick. Uh, as far as uh, point guard options, what do you guys think about Patrick Beverly next year on the like, one-year minimum deal around round? That's, that's a worst-case scenario, I know, but I have a bad feeling that Drew Holiday, if they do get, like let's say, Jason Tatum from Boston, and they want to build, and let's say the GM wants to make the playoffs next year, you have Drew Holiday, Jason Tatum, maybe a couple other guys like Jalen Brown as well. They can make a run in the Western Conference if they want to next year, maybe at the eighth seed, and maybe they don't, they don't want to trade Drew Holiday. So in that example, maybe you do go for Mike Conley, but... Maybe Patrick Barrett makes the most sense. Maybe on a weird deal, but also Ricky Rubio, I think, makes a lot of sense to those two guys. Mm -hmm. Because Rubio, if you guys didn't know, he shares the same agent as um, Tyson Chandler, who James Jones did a favor for at the beginning of the season with his buyout. So maybe connecting connecting some agent dots there, I think that's something to watch for.
0: Right. That's definitely something we were discussing earlier in the season, too, as it was being floated around, that we were like, you know those agent dots were connecting. We were like, "Oh shoot, <laughs> they might be angling for Rubio." I think we've discussed it in tier too. Ruby, Rubio would be a solid fit to start. Um, I mean, like as a stopgap guard. Uh, same with Beverly. I've been Beverly. I've been beating uh, Beverly's drum since last off season because um, I really wanted him to get to come through in a trade. Um, just because I love his defensive at, uh, attitude and his hustle and his ability to be a pest, uh, which is, I mean, it's a good character thing to have on this kind of team. Um, he has been, you know, injured here and there. it's um, becoming a little worrisome. But other than that, I mean, he'd be great. I think both options would be great in a stopgap situation. Conley would be expensive. Um, it also would probably take a little bit to prime away from Memphis. Um, so I don't know, really know, you know, what we would have to do for that. I mean, there's better options, though. So let's hope we don't have to get to that point. Um, as far as, like, the alternative options for the rest of you guys, what do you guys think if it's not, you know, One of those top guys.
2: I think Rubio is a good fit. And then Beverly, I just think right now he's a backup point guard. He's just in a perfect situation right now playing behind SGA and playing next to Lou Will. Like he just he just has to focus on that defensive end, which what he would probably only have to do here as well. But I don't know if he could do that for eighty two games, starting next to Book and them and maybe even playoffs. I don't know if he can sustain that
0: that's one of those uh, he's one of those ones where i mean you might be able to actually you know believe in that injury prone tag on him uh just because he has shown the ability to, i mean he does kind of you know miss a couple games here and there and then he misses long stretches and it kind of just you know i don't know it's just it's he's a weird one so uh keith what do you think um i think i want, i actually want
3: ruby a lot because i feel like he's like I think he's at the top of the list like, as a realistic guy we can get. I feel like if we end up getting Ja, which we might if we go, if we in the top three, away, and then the guy I would want to start would be Rubio. And I, for Patrick Beverly, I'd, I'd take him too, but I wouldn't have him start like the whole year, anyways. Like, I feel yeah. like if we took Ja and didn't have him, I think John would eventually take over for Beverly. So I would take either of them.
1: Yeah, I think with Patrick Beverly, what I'm trying to get is this. If they did take a John Morant, for example, who's if they take a Morant with Booker and A, and there's going to be a lot of questions, at least from my standpoint, also nationally, just how can you build a winner with those three guys who are sub-defenders? And why not have John Morant learn from Patrick Beverly for a year and then let him go and then see if John Morant's a good defender after that? Because as far as improving his defense, I can't think of a better mentor than that. Yeah,
0: and Morant has that kind of learning mentality too, where you can tell he's got that he's got the dog in him that he likes to play offense that way. And I feel like if he does have a teacher like Beverly like that, that could work out because they kind of seem to have a similar mindset when it comes to playing. So, um, and he, I mean, he seems willing to take on you know any sort of thing. His attitude's good about most everything if we've heard him through his interviews. So, I mean, that's pretty good. So, I you mean, know, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind it. So,
2: I but, think that um. Ja, I don't know. I don't think that he's a horrible defender. I just think that he kind of was focused on offense, mostly in college, because he was their whole team.
0: Yeah, basically. So he had to create everything. So, uh,
4: Crispy, how do you feel? Um, pretty much just along the same lines of what you guys were saying, especially Keith when you mentioned, um, the most, uh, Rubio being kind of the most realistic option. And if we were to get, you know, that number two pick and pick jaw, it'd be a really good to just like start Rubio and kind of ease jaw into the lineup. And then same thing with Beverly, I think he'd be a really good mentor and we could do the same thing with him. Yeah, no, sure. Um, Yeah, I mean,
0: it's good talk about point guards. Um, Moving forward, other than point guards, though, let's go a little bit into a roster breakdown here. Kind of a roster breakdown and the free agency primer Um, going forward. You know, obviously the big thing is going into free agency. Uh, As far as re-signing, there's Kelly uh, that you probably most likely want to re-sign. You got Rashawn Holmes. This is a decision you got to make. How much money is he worth? Is he worth keeping around? What's your your preference about that kind of thing uh, and also who, who are you really targeting with a team like this uh, obviously draft matters um, but we'll look at that uh, Evan how do you feel what do you think are the most important things moving forward for this team uh, as far as who to acquire who to move and who to throw uh, in with this group next year
1: I'll start off just with my untouchables here or at least who I think should be on the team next year and the first three are pretty easy for me Devin Booker you have DeAndre and McHale Bruce. I think Kelly Oubre back, too, so that's four. Add in, I think they're going to keep Josh Jackson next year. just He's showing some flashes recently. I know he's really inconsistent, but I feel like the office likes him a little bit more than we think. So I think he stays around next year. Plus one of the Cobra Melton. So I think that's six guys. But I think half the roster, if you want to make a legit job next year for being a laughing stock to an actual competitive team, you have to gut almost half this roster because they have a losing mentality right now. You have to bring in more winners, and I think – Maybe trading a guy, maybe signing some power forwards. That's some names here that I like. Maybe some controversial names too, as far as trades go. Kevin Love, he's best friends with James Jones, so I know some people not, might not like that. His contract's gonna be pretty horrible in a year or two, but that friend factor with James Jones kind of matters for me because he could easily sell him on Phoenix here. Also, Aaron Gordon makes a lot of sense for me because he has a an easy contract to trade for. Add in um, maybe TJ Warren plus one of the point guards, and I think you can I even get Aaron Gordon for a pretty low price. Yeah, Aaron Gordon seems like. Oh, somebody that should be going for a higher price, but Orlando seems to
0: keep dangling him for some reason. Um, He's—I mean—he seems very competent when it comes to playing. You know, I mean, he would fit our team, and I mean, I think he's been discussed in our—you know—sphere for like a pretty good while now. Um, that being said, Kevin Love, one of our residents here, one of our resident uh, broke boys. <laughs> Tony Pickett uh, absolutely <laughs> hate, hates his guts, but um, you know I think if he did come around, we would it, it would work out. Now that contract is uh, a bit worrisome, and it kind of limits what you do in the future. Um, but it's kind of I mean he'd fit. He certainly would. He'd stretch the floor. He'd you know he's been a much solid and much better you know defender you know in recent days, and um, he'd definitely help out there. Um, what do you guys think other than kind of like point guard and, you know, the rest of the, you know, roster makeup? Uh, Jake
4: Keyes, Chris, he's just fire away. My kind of like dream option, we've talked about this before, would be Tobias Harris. I, I don't know how realistic that is, but I think he could come in and be a perfect fit, kind of an all around player. And I think he's kind of like a perfect, like modern day four.
0: Yeah, he kind of seems to plug that role well, and he's doing so with Philly right now. So, I mean, they got a weird, you know, kind of roster makeup over there in Philly. It's got like three different forwards that play three different, you know, roles, and it's, you know, they make it work. So, I mean, we'll see how far it goes in the playoffs, but Tobias is somebody that if, you know, things don't go so well in Philly, but fit well and also, you know, is in that, you know, winning mentality and age range that we're kind of looking for. So, um, Jake, what were you going to say?
2: I think getting a modern-day power forward is more important for our roster than getting a point guard. And I say that because we have a Tyler Johnson that we can rely on right now. But, yeah, Tobias would be number one, but I know he's probably getting a max, and I don't know if we can afford that unless we trade a Tyler Johnson and a TJ. And I say we should let Holmes walk because his, a backup center with energy is the easiest position to find in basically the whole league. Yeah, and Aaron Gordon would be a good fit. He's a tradi- or modern day 4, he can shoot. And then other than that, Tobias, Aaron Gordon, I don't, Kevin Love, I like I liked tr- I wanted to trade for Kevin Love back when um like 2014 when we made that run, 48 wins. <laughs> but yeah, I like him. I know he's injury prone now, but I think he kind of took the whole season off this year, so he would be healthy for next season. I think he could be a good fit as well.
1: Yeah, just real quick, real quick Rashawn Holmes want to add in there from Jake's point. I just think that they are going to keep him because just being around the team every day, Book, Aiden, all those, the, the primary guys, they love Holmes. They just love what he brings to the team, and I think just – he loves it here in Phoenix too, so I would be really surprised if they don't keep him around, at least for another year or
2: Yeah, I like Holmes a lot too. I just think that if it comes down to it money-wise, he could be
1: replaced. Oh, yeah, I agree though.
0: Yeah, attitude-wise, he kind of falls into the same uh, club as Kelly does for me where he kind of came in and just took this team under his wing. and It's the whole culture you know, thing. Culture yeah, it's, it's exactly the kind it's of the culture of you want. You know, so absolutely – um, Keith, what do you think? Give us your opinions. Obviously, power forward seems to be a big theme here. Um, would you agree with those power forward uh, representatives, or do you have anybody else in mind, possibly? Uh, I
3: agree with Jake when he said, like, I feel like we'll have Tyler. John. I feel like we're going to end up with a top two pick, so we're in. The, we're going to end up with. Feel like we're going to end up with John Moran. I just like feel like that's going to happen. So I feel like we're going to end up with John. It's written in like, the stars. If we don't trade Tyler. Yeah, I feel like it's gonna happen. So I feel like, one thing like I've been saying, I've told you guys too before. Um, I think we need like a power four for. I like I'll get tired of seeing us getting murdered on the boards, even if the four is not like a starter, because maybe we might start Rubre there with Mikel next year, Top the to bench. Because the only real four we have maybe right now is Bender, and I don't want him to be like the only four on the team. So I just need another like big guy, and I would love to have Aaron Gordon.
2: Yeah, I think the only thing about getting a four is. If it's a Tobias or an Aaron Gordon, who starts, Mikel or Ubre? And it would have probably,
0: to be Ubre, probably. Probably be Oubre, most likely. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, would you even be able to sign? Well, yeah, they would be able to go over the cap for him. Uh, I was going to say, would you be able to even sign, Kelly, if you're signing one of you know, Tobias or Aaron Gordon or trading for them? And if you trade for Aaron Gordon, uh, that low cost that we did mention, that Evan mentioned, uh, what would it be? Even? I mean, what do you guys think? What, what would it take to get Aaron Gordon?
1: Um, I think hypothetically, something along the lines of probably TJ plus Tyler's ex- not, not even Tyler Johnson's expiring contract. Probably is TJ, Josh, and then the Bucks pick plus maybe a twenty twenty Suns pick. I don't think it's gonna take much at all, really. Just maybe those two wings and a pick or two. Yeah, I agree.
2: Yeah, they traded Depot and Sabonis for Wash Ibaka, so it might not take a lot.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I honestly I can't believe they still did that, but question uh, no. Uh... I mean, to be fair, Bogdan did have some sort of value back then. That's what he was going in <laughs> Oklahoma, so I don't blame him. But they, that was that weird period of Orlando Magic basketball where they got, like, five different, you know, big men that all were, you know, coming off good seasons and they didn't really do anything with them. Uh, with Bismack Biyombo and, you know, Vucevic. And, I mean, to Vucevic's credit, he's been great, you know. But it's just been interesting for them, too. Um, me, personally, if you ask me... Uh, Power forwards, i probably agree with those few. Um, I think, you know, with trades, it's kind of like you don't know who's going to be available to target. Um, So I definitely think it's good to keep our minds open uh, going forward, what other options might be there. Um, And, you know, even contemplating maybe not necessarily a true power forward, but, you know, some small forwards that we can work into that range. I know we have a gluttony, you know, a full, you know, Basket full of them right now, but uh, I don't know where really can, yeah. Je- did you say Jeff uh, Jeff Reed? Yes, sir. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, maybe <laughs> um, that'd be kind of interesting, but you know,
1: interesting start just real quickly, guys. Um, as far as if Kevin Durant stays in Golden State, they're not and Clay Thompson, they're not gonna be able to pay Draymond Green. That opens the door for Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This Do you I don't think know. makes sense for Draymond? I think it makes a lot of sense. I
0: was talking about this with actually one of my co today, and I know our group kind of has a love-hate thing with him, mostly hating because of his attitude. But honestly, I think, you know, a lot of people think, oh, he's not going to do well on another team. He's, you know, built for Golden State. He's a system player. Uh, that being said, I feel like he's a glue guy, you know, and I feel like he's going to be glue anywhere he goes just because of what his you know role is and what his traits are. Uh, I think he'd be great on this team. I don't know what it would take to sign him, but I think, um,
2: yeah, I think it would. He would fit well because he's a defensive guy and he's a playmaker, and we need
3: both of that.
4: Sorry.
3: Yeah, let me. wait for eight and two.
1: Hypothetical trade packaging for if we're going to do that because it have to be a trade this summer. I don't, I don't want to pay Draymond or Max next summer, but that could be what it is. So let's do a trade instead. Number four, pick in the draft to Golden State plus TJ Warren for Draymond.
0: Oh, oh do it. I wouldn't even think twice about doing that. Number four? Cindy. Yeah. I wouldn't well, even... I have a question for Evan. I just don't know what Golden would Golden State would do with number four, but yeah. Go ahead, yeah. Keith. Now I want to ask
3: him like what is like what is your gut feeling about T J do you feel like he's Oh, he's gone. like get a chance. You think he's gone? he's gone? I've been saying that too. I feel like he's gone too, but I just want to see what you felt about
0: him. I, I feel like most of us probably would have thought T J was gone last up. That didn't even happen. So,
1: No, <laughs> I, I actually um, I spoke to a source uh, with the Suns last summer. They were actually shopping TJ last summer. They couldn't get anyone to buy it on. So uh, that's just uh, – he doesn't, doesn't really have much trade value now. I mean, maybe with the three-point shot, but now with the entry prone, he has that label now. So it might be rough to get rid of him. But I think now with Kelly doing good, with Mikhail showing us a lot more recently, even Josh shooting from three now, I mean, TJ's kind of expendable. Yeah, I, I, think, uh, I just want to see what he thought. Yeah, no,
2: yeah i absolutely. think tj is um pretty much as good as gone and i his trade value i do think went up because of the three ball but it might have been back down because he's had a sore ankle for like three months and yeah i don't i don't really get that injury <laughs> but yeah i do think he's gone i don't think he we can trade him as the main piece i think he has to be an add-on to a bigger trade
1: this is, this is just me speculating here, but do you guys think there's any reason? I know Lonzo's was a lot worse than uh, TJ's ankle injury, but when Uber was doing good, when Mikhail was doing good, when Josh was doing good, didn't they kind of just were precautionary with TJ because they thought maybe he ruined the mojo coming back? That's, that's what I thought. That's too. exactly
4: what I was saying. I was saying that, like, a couple months ago, I said to TJ, he's not going to come back this season." Like I just had a gut feeling that, like, I don't know if they're just hell holding them out on purpose now. But like, like Jake said, he's had a sore ankle for like months, so it's kind of just like
0: well, pretty weird. Just- yeah. Mojo wise, when we won that five you know five out of seven stretch where we beat Golden State and Milwaukee, the team was working so well, you know, envisioning TJ taking any minutes from what was going on during that stretch just didn't seem feasible. So.
2: Yeah, I was watching the games like, where would TJ even play? Like, I thought maybe he would take Bender's minutes, but Bender was playing like ten minutes and TJ would get like twenty five. So I just yeah. didn't get where he would play and fit in. So it just didn't make sense to me.
4: And like, and, like, watching that team, you kind of just, like, forget about him. You even forget that he's on the team and, like like you said, like where you would plug him in at.
0: I think that's the problem, and that's what's kind of dragging down his trade value at the same time. It's injuries plus the fact that, you know, on the court, you know, as much as he's a good scorer, he kind of proves to be invisible. He's quiet off the court and on the court. Uh, yeah, he's so. like
3: – I think they were, like you said, they were, like, holding him out too because, like, guys like Josh and Markell are, like, younger to him and obviously – we both better. think we think both of them are like maybe the sons want to see what they have with we'll both of them see what they can do.
0: And I think like yeah, he said, no, he just said that they were shopping TJ, so it makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely.
4: Uh sorry, TJ, I love you. I have your jerk but uh audios. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> so Goku, man. so I, I also have a question for Evan. So besides TJ who else do you think will be here or won't be here between, like, maybe like a Kobo, Melton, Bender? Like, who do you think returns? Who do you think leaves or, like, gets traded or whatever?
1: As far as, like, the guys that I already listed as untouchable Booker, Aiden, Bridges, and Uber, I think, is probably on the untouchable list now. With And trademarking valuable is where he's going to free agent. So that kind of tells you, I think he's staying. But I think you added Josh Jackson just for a year. I think he's going to stay just in case. Maybe the trade package is good and he's thrown in, but I think right now I'm leaning toward him staying. And I think if I had to pick one of those point guards, I think D'Anthony Melton stays because I I just love his defense. If he can shoot and become a good offensive player, he's a legit backup point guard in the NBA. But his contract's about at the end of next year, which worries me a little bit there. But Rashawn Holmes, I think, is going to return too as well in like a one- or two-year deal. So really outside of the untouchable guys, and you add in maybe a Cobo or Melton plus Holmes, I think you really have to get half this roster, I think.
2: Do you think there is any chance Bender comes back?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I really – don't think so, just because I feel like Bender doesn't want to come back here because, I mean, the team is drafted top is declined your fourth-year option, why would you want to come back? And also, you're not getting a really good role here. Maybe you go to a good situation okay I've always thought, to be honest, that San Antonio or Golden State, one of those two teams is going to sign, like, a minimum
4: contract. He's going to flourish there. I think it was, was actually what we said. Familiar. We were always saying San Antonio. He's going to go over the there and just become a real NBA player. I think he would do even better in Golden State, to
0: be honest. I think just him playing in spot minutes for them, <laughs> I think he get so much like love over there, just knocking down random threes and doing his occasional you know, flashy drives to the basket that he likes to do once in a while <laughs> now. It's kind of weird. He had one last game that it was just like, uh, or not last game, the game before, uh, that it was just, he just took it into the paint, went and dunked it. We were all like, what? Like, okay, So, I don't know, it was kind of funny. So
1: Yeah, for sure. I think with Bender, it's just an interesting case study that the player development was so bad here under McDonough and under Watson and Triano that you see Josh Jackson improve from three. You see Dragan Bender looking like a competent NBA player. I know people like to bat him a lot just because the record was really bad early on, but I think you can tell us with the numbers, and especially Mikhail's confidence lately too, he's getting a lot more of that. I think Ewer is proving right now that you have to give him some time and he's actually a really good coach. Yeah,
2: I'm saying you can see Bender's development from the beginning of the season from what his coaching was his first three, two years to what it is now?
0: Yeah, I have no issues with Igor at all right now. Uh, A lot of people were a little unfair to him, and I think that, you know, does happen when you have a team that's generally this bad all the time. Um, But, you know, I have no, you know, Complaints about him going forward. He's a great player development coach, and uh, his rotations were a little iffy. I don't know how much of that was influenced by front office, you know, stuff. But at the same time, I mean, you know, his rookie head, you know, head coach for the for the first time. So, you know, he'll get it together, especially when he has you know better
4: pieces to play. So, yeah, yeah, I think I, I think the biggest thing was what you mentioned—the whole player development thing—because I don't think some people realized how much better Mikhail and Aiden have actually gotten on both sides of the ball since the beginning of the season. Like Aiden looks, you know, willing on defense. Mikhail is starting to, you know, put the ball on the floor, trying to take, just starting to take these pull-up jumpers, starting to drive in a little bit. So it's really like encouraging and good to see. Yeah. Him
0: putting it on the floor has been good to see. I want to ask, uh, Evan here, um, I know it's been kind of a controversial topic all season just because nobody wants to say it out loud, really. Uh, Mikhail's jump shot.
1: Um, yeah. Do you think
0: well, they messed it up? Do you think he's just inconsistent with it? Is it
1: a problem going forward? Uh, what do you think? It's the weirdest thing because, I, guys, I watched him at practice during warm ups and he doesn't shoot like this anymore. You guys remember during the, like, the middle of the season, he was shooting really slow, like on threes, wide open threes. His hitch was really showing, but mm-hmm. it's not really doing that anymore. But in warm ups, though, it is bad. I don't know why he does that. It's the first time I've watched him like a month or, to, or two, but that hitch is really bad in his warm ups. I think it's kind of a mental thing at this point, which kind of doesn't worry me because Mikhail is a hard worker, but. It really is just surprising to me. A guy who was a career forty 3-point shooter at Villanova now is like a 33% 3-point shooter. But what really um, gives me some confidence with Perez and Perez is a better 3-point shooter. If you look at the numbers with him, off passes from Devin Booker, he's shooting 38% from 3. From everyone else, 30, 33%. So I think you just have a competent point guard, a competent combo guard next to him. He'll be a pretty good shooter. Yeah, somebody who
0: can actually free up the floor and actually find them and you know good shooting opportunities would definitely help um speaking of that hitch that was one thing that us as a group when we were uh in vegas at summer league last year he was doing the same thing uh pre-game where he was doing that slow routine that slow hitch uh release and i guess somebody asked him about it post-game and he was like oh no it's just what i do during practice i just do it slow because it helps me think um but i don't know he said that but he's been doing it in game now and it just kind of weird to see it you know he might just be finding trying to find his footing on an nba three-point line um that being said um i don't even know what i mean what it could be mentally or if it's when i he, would think it's mental but yeah
2: when he shoots fast like on a catch and shoot it's like automatic and then when he slows it down it it just shows the hitch and it, you can just tell that it's, it's all, all choppy right, at least, yeah yeah
0: <laughs> yeah it, it, i've noticed it's been kind of like a, a difference. Uh, him being able to bring the ball low or from a low point, you know, and racing up to shoot. Whereas catch and shoot, he kind of catches it uh, already, kind of at the elbow location, and it kind of just raises up. And it seems uncertain sometimes when he does that catch and shoot motion. It feels like almost like kind of like a kind like a Kyle Corver issue, where you know you know his form is great. You know he's a great three point shooter. If you give him the wrong opportunity to
4: shoot a three, he's gonna break it every time. You know. So I mean. Yeah, but the one thing is, if we were able to fix Josh's shooting motion, I think Mikhail would be fine. Yeah, no, I think Josh's was really bad. Worse than Mikhail's, in my opinion. I don't know what you guys think about it.
0: His was terrible. It looked good now, though. That's maybe the one thing that, you know, the last, you know, regime did good that wasn't Igor, that, you know, they kind of fixed Josh's shot, you know, before the season started, and he kind of worked into it, and it's only gotten better since, so.
1: I have, a hot, I have a hot take to say real quick because we're on top of the McHale Bridges, but I've been sitting on this for a little bit. I was going to write it maybe this off season, but if McHale figures out how to be more aggressive, he gets more involved in the offense, gets his usage higher, shoots better from three, gets more aggressive driving the basket like we're seeing recently. Is he going to be an all-star for you? Yeah, he kind of, he
0: reminds me a lot of like a young uh, Kawhi Leonard you know, before yeah. this first title year and everything, kind of like right when that was happening. Um you know, just kind of quiet, plays his defense, you know, uses his length, to his advantage and quiet really didn't even get aggressive or, you know, strong offensively until, you know, the last two or three years where he started averaging, you know, a lot more points in that kind of thing where the big three kind of went out. Um, so I think definitely, I mean, the, it wouldn't be a reach to say it. He definitely has the potential to do it. Um And he's, you know, he might have been an old rookie, but he'll come around. He'll more time in the NBA, more time to get comfortable in his role. I think he's going to be able to realize when he's able to drive, when he's able not to, uh, what to do in those positions. He seems like a he seems like a smart learner. So um, I think that's one thing moving forward. Uh, Why he's on that untouchable list more than just being a good rookie. I think he has that potential for sure. Yeah, I think he could
2: be like um like a Paul George if he just starts if he starts going off the dribble more and pump faking his threes taking it to the hoop and initiating offense out of getting defensive rebounds like all that stuff i think if he starts going off like that then yeah he could be an all-star
0: yeah i think the Paul George comp is interesting um more because of the athleticism factor in it and that's the thing about Mikhail. It's like we know he has that athleticism. It's just he hasn't used it really much offensively. And he's been kind of sheepish when it comes to driving. And uh, maybe it's more of like a just a mental thing. Same reason why his jump shot might be a little bit the way it is. I think he, the more time he spends, the more confident he's going to become in driving and using, you know, the hops that he has, the agility that he has. So. For sure.
1: I think it's kind of like if I had to throw a comp out there I think he's like a supercharged like defense version of Chris Middleton like if he finds out how to shoot like Chris Middleton like his offensive profile I think he's going to be a really really good player because he, has, he has, he's way better on defense than Chris Middleton I think Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> so. that is yeah definitely that is a, a great comparison, comparison yeah
4: Mm-hmm. Um. so I don't know how much time we're running on but I wanted to touch on this topic as well before we cut it off especially with Evan here but I I was just wondering what you think about the whole like GM situation how do you think we'll address it and what we'll do in the off season about it I'm glad you asked me about that because I actually just spoke to a source
1: today on this and uh, let me pull up real quickly he told me that Robert Server's spoken with eight guys so far as far as the um, president of basketball operations goes I know they are kind of saying it's a quote-unquote GM search but from what I've been told, James Jones is going to be the GM here. I think it's going to be announced by the next few weeks he's going to stay on as a GM. But in a more experienced role, they've spoken to Kevin McHale, who I know you guys have talked about before. He's an interesting candidate. He's connected to Robert Sarr before. He was also in the coaching service last year. So if I had to pick a favorite right now, I'd probably say Kevin McHale as the president of BB basketball operations with James Jones' GM. But I know they've spoken to about seven or eight guys so far in the past few weeks. It won't be surprising if it's a different name, but if I had to pick a favorite, it's probably the Jones-McHale combo, which I'm kind of worried about
0: yeah uh, that does that does kind of worry us a bit here how we all feel kind of about Hood? none of us want him here Uh, not a big fan (laughs) have you heard anything about uh, I know all of us want to hear about this guy now especially because of the news that came out today that he was um, interviewing Uh, David Griffin um, anything with him
1: of the eight people was he one of them no unfortunately it just seems like that bird's been burned just due to Robert Sarver at this point yeah I figured it was too much yeah oh man (laughs) It's a pipe dream. So. I do, I do um,
2: like James Jones as a GM though. I just don't. I was gonna say that. I don't yeah, want so. um someone horrible running the basketball operations though. Yeah, I mean,
1: if you guys think about it. I mean, his two trades, Tyler Johnson. I know Tyler Johnson played like five or ten games, but Kelly Ubray trade too. He I pulled up better trades in Ryman than I ever did here. Yeah,
2: yeah. I really, like those I trades really saying. made a lot of sense, and I really like the the Oubre trade kind of was like lucky because of the grizzlies thing
1: yeah they They wanted dylan brooks originally over kelly Uber, which is crazy
2: yeah which which worried me at first but then the tyler johnson trade getting rid of ryan anderson for someone that's actually good at basketball was a huge move
0: (laughs) being somewhat useful on the actual basketball court you know where he's getting paid 20 million to do thank the lord um yeah no his trades have been great so far i love having James james jones around um does need some time to grow. I mean, he spent a long time in this league, so I'm sure he's got a lot of that down to. Um, who were, um, Evan, who were like some of the targets that you probably thought would have been uh, good for the president of basketball operations?
1: Ooh, uh, I think David Griffin would have been one just for obvious reasons with the Phoenix. Okay. He used to work with Igor too, but unfortunately, that's not going to happen. But the more I just think about it, I want like a, a senior guy, like maybe a Donnie Walsh from Indiana. He was back there. I know he's been out of the league for a couple years now, but he was with Phil Jackson, in New York. It did not go well there at all. But he, as a Pacers fan, grew up from Indiana. Johnny Walsh helped get that Paul George thing done. He was really good at making some smart, savvy moves. But I don't know if that's realistic or not. I just feel like inevitably at this point with how much he's been connected here in the past 18 months, it's it's really weird to go back and just serve Kevin McHale's sons. He's been connected in almost every room with the sons as far as GM search, coaching search, the past like 18 months. So I think Kevin McHale is going to be the guy, and, when you look at his history there, outside the Kevin Garnett draft, he really did not do much in Minnesota.
0: Yeah, it's uh, something that I think we're going to have to start <laughs> preparing for a little bit. Um, hope they let Jones do his game.
4: Yeah, that's yeah. what I was saying. Just let Jones do
0: it. <laughs> But then if that's the case, I don't think they'd even be bringing in McHale. I mean, they wanted Jones to do that. They probably would have hired someone a little more under the table, a little under the radar. Hiring Kevin McHale is kind of, you know, saying we're, you know, that's not really a quiet move per se, you know. Somebody who's been through so much and has been, you know, battle-tested. Kind of, and big moves, not that he's not that good. Yeah. yeah, so you know he's going to want that control for sure too. So, I mean, it's like – I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a starved thing that he has a connection with them. Um, but, I mean, we'll see what happens, I guess. So, hope do, for the best. Cross our fingers. And if it is him, you know, just pray that something changed in the last couple of years that he's been out of the league. So,
2: Do Mikhail and James Jones have any connections, or is that just random?
1: Um, I looked into that before. I don't believe they do. I just believe that um, they cross patches on the court a few times. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't remember him. Being on any McHale teams at all, so. No, actually, let me just check just to make sure they don't share the same agent here, because that'd be interesting. I'm just googling it right now. It okay, be. they do not share the same agents. Never mind. Okay,
2: cool. It's mostly Good. just a McHale and Sarver thing.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Like just if you Google from the coaching search last year, it, Kevin McHale was one of the finalists alongside Jay Triana and the rest of those guys with Igor. Yeah, so I do just remember that. He goes from the coaching search and all of a sudden now he's in conversation for president basketball operations. So that's just kind of what we're going to follow along with. Yeah, I mean, he seems like one of those kind of players
0: or one of those you know people that just kind of just gets his name in everything no matter what it is for no reason. And he kind of doesn't really have any good history to back it up, per se. And I don't know, it feels like kind of like the Mark Jackson thing, you know, where it's like he's been out of the league for six years, but people still talk about him all the time as if he's going to come back and be a great coach. And it's like, you don't know that. Why do you keep saying that? Um, I don't know. It's just kind of weird to me. So, but we'll see.
1: Um, real quickly, I just wanted to just talk about that in Booker for a second. We haven't hit on him a lot just outside of the injury, but mm-hmm. the 50 points, the back-to-back 50 points, and you go for 48. It was, I just found it interesting how much national media was spinning it towards Booker being a losing player, and it was all his fault when, if they actually watched the games, they would see that he contributed like 75% of their points and he was actually playing better than anyone else on the floor. So I just think the narrative as far as with Booker is just interesting to follow along with because once he has a good team around, I think a lot of guys are going to be backing off those claims.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think it's – I thought it was super weird too that, you know, you can go the whole season doing, you know, what you normally do and losing just as many games and then just because you drop – you know, high amount of points in back-to-back games that go for forty-eight again. People actually care about you losing. Um, I don't know why that's painted in a negative light. I really don't, honestly. Uh, I mean, the guy's just trying to do what he can do, and if people were actually paying attention, they notice that we're
4: missing like four or five of our major players. So yeah, I don't that's get... the problem, though. They don't watch the games; they just look at box scores <laughs> and they look at the final score, and they're like, "Oh, he's not helping them win." They don't actually watch. Yeah,
2: I yeah. don't get how all season he can average twenty-six and seven. And we're losing, and no one says anything besides that he's a losing player. But then he goes even harder and tries to win more, and he scores 50-plus, and then they're like, oh, he sucks even more.
0: Yeah, no, doesn't make sense at all. But that's the beauty of NBA Twitter for you, I guess. So, um,
2: Ben Golliver s- me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Should shout out real quick. Uh, all right, um, that being said, I think we're going to – kind of come close to this podcast a little bit. But before we go, I did want to get you guys' takes on the, uh, the Final Four here um, coming up this weekend. Let's get our picks going here. We've got, you know, Texas Tech uh, playing – who is it? What's the bracket looking like right now?
1: Texas Tech, Michigan State, and then it's yeah. Auburn against Wynab Lincoln and their team. Virginia. Uh, Virginia, yeah. 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 Okay. Um,
0: I'll go first if I had to take – I'm going to go Texas Tech over Michigan State, and then I'm going to go Virginia over Auburn. And why not?
1: I'll just say Texas Tech takes it um, just for fun. I don't know. What about you guys? I'm right there with you, man. I'm going to have the Texas Tech winning the whole thing. I have them playing against Auburn in the national title game, so two upsets here. And I think it's going to be a really fun game between those two teams. And I think Texas Tech ultimately wins because Jared Cole is going to be the best player in the four by a long shot yeah no doubt so um what what about the rest of your guests
2: um i honestly am gonna watch the texas tech game and if they lose i probably won't watch another game but (laughs) i do i'm gonna watch for culver i hope that they win the title i want them to play auburn because auburn is just fun to watch
0: yeah, Auburn's been like surprising. I didn't really, honestly, watch them in the regular season that much. So watching the tournament has been fun. So. In
2: Virginia, I hate watching Virginia. They're just the most. They're like the
0: Jazz of the <laughs> NBA. They're <just> boring. <laughs> There's just yeah. something about them. I, I just can't. They have great coaching, but honestly, yeah, I agree. So, uh, Christy, what do you think? Who, who's your I, picks?
4: I have the same thing. I have Texas Tech against Auburn in the final. Well, I would have that, and I'm hoping it is that. And then I'm gonna have Texas Tech taking it all oh, for the main reason that Jared Hoover. Just like Evan said, will be the
0: best player on the court. Uh, sounds like we're a bunch of Red Raider alums over here. Uh, <laughs> <Keys>. <laughs> YouTube is it YouTube? Keys? come on, make it
3: five. It is, but the only thing I would say is I'm, I'm honestly scared that um, Michigan State might beat them. Yeah, they can they're pretty, yeah, big, yeah, they're yeah, they're pretty big too. And uh, what's the point guard's name? Cash. He's nice. I'm scared that they might beat them, but I think Auburn's gonna be. Uh, Virginia, uh, yeah
0: sure yeah for sure for sure all right guys um it's been good it's been a good episode we went quite a bit today uh we're gonna wrap here uh we appreciate all of our listeners you know coming in to check in on us uh we'll see you guys next episode big thanks to evan sidery here for joining us for this episode uh appreciate having you on we'll be seeing you guys soon uh you guys have a great rest here uh evening afternoon morning whenever you're listening to this so take it easy